Welcome back, everyone. We continue our journey through the brand new 2020 Rolling Stone list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. We've made it to album number seven. That is Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. Man, this has become one of my favorite albums in the last couple of years, Ben. I don't know about you. Yeah. I think it's one you were already familiar with. Yeah. I wasn't as familiar with it. Uh, I bought it on vinyl. It was actually the first record that I bought last year when I got uh, bought a turntable and got it got it working and got some speakers. And the first one I actually bought from a record shop was was Rumors. And it sounds mm. so good. And, and sometimes I'll be in the basement and I'll ask my son, like, hey, we're down here, dude. Can you want to throw on a record? Uh, sure. What do you want? And he'll kind of look, flip through him and go, oh, Rumors. Yeah, let's listen to that. <laughs> so it's one that he, he loves, too. Love it. Um, so, Ben, this was number 26, and now it's number 7. And yeah. a lot of the, the music that we're seeing was really high on the list earlier from the 60s and 70s. It's it's moving down and making way for some other things to come up. But this is one from from 1977 that has you know was a classic uh, rock album, a, a just a foundational classic rock album, one of the best, uh, very well produced, uh, extremely successful. But it's moved up. How do you feel about that? I love it. I think it's a very biased appreciation because I like the album so much. Um, I wonder if there's something about the themes on this album. Uh, maybe the even the messy backstory of this album mm. that feels like it's re- resonating with the sort of chaotic time that we're in. <laughs> but I'm also noticing like people are, are rehashing this song too. Like one of the things we forgot to talk about in our um, album review with Sophia when she was on uh, was that uh, a band I've been getting into in the last little while, in the last few months, I guess the high women Mm. have their own version of the chain. uh, That's fantastic. It's uh, actually featured on the the soundtrack to the movie, the kitchen, a movie that I'm not familiar with, but apparently it was good enough to be featured in a new modern uh, movie. And so, I, I I don't know. I wonder if there's something that's giving this album sort of newfound traction again, and and why the people who voted on this 2020 list, you know, amid the chaos of 2020 and COVID and and all the other stuff, um, maybe there's something here that you know the soul of it is resonating with this particular time. So I'm kind of excited to see it here at this spot, and uh, I'm also excited to revisit our review of the album from a few months back right i think 70s rock has become really popular with the youth of today for whatever reason mm-hmm. it's kind of it's it doesn't sound old as in worn out like i don't think right. i can see the youth listening to kind of uh, early 60s you know something that phil Spector might have produced right, right. <laughs> um but this 70s rock led to, like they love the kids they love led zeppelin they love acdc they love with mac they're into it uh so i think that's great and it has an accessibility too like it's not it's not even as gritty as some of the other 70s rock that you mentioned like zeppelin i think takes 
a bit more of a music ear to really appreciate. Uh, this is this is radio friendly oh, 70s man. rock. <laughs> Absolutely. I I sent you a message a few months ago after listening to Rumors again. It's just one day I decided to put it on and I sent you a message. I said, is Rumors about as close to a perfect album as you can get? <laughs> it's just about perfect. I, I could, if you could omit maybe Songbird or Songbird and Oh Daddy, I don't, I don't really love the Christine McVie tunes on that album as much. They're not bad, but mm-hmm. I think they don't fit as well. I, I think it's, it's darn near perfect. Um, there's a lot of uh, groups now and on YouTube, like I think one of the most popular ones is Postmodern Jukebox doing a lot of covers in different styles with guest musicians, maybe having one or two uh, consistent musicians and having guests in. And a few months ago, I saw a video by a group, again, another ensemble group that has rotating special guests called Scary Pockets doing a funk cover of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Uh, And I can't get it out of my head. It's so well done, but these songs are so accessible. And I've always said, when you have a really good song that has a a foundation that's really solid, and we've seen this with other songs, they they just get covered over and over again because that that stonework, that framework is laid so well. And I think Rumors is one of those albums that has many of those songs. So... um, with a new list means we're going to have to do a new top 10 ranking. And this is an album that's been on both of our top mm. 10 lists. At least it was through the first 60 albums for quite a number of weeks. And so we'll see how that stacks up with this group of 10 albums yeah. and how long it can hang on uh, <laughs> if we keep it there. For sure. So please stick around. Listen to our previous review of Rumors when we got through it the first time with our friend Sophia. That's coming up next. Uh, and join us next episode when we talk about album eight, an album we have not reviewed yet. This is going to be Purple Rain by Prince and the Revolution. Oh boy, something new. Should be fun. So stick around for our review of Rumors coming up right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the Sound Logic Podcast. Today, we are discussing album number 26 on Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. This album is Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. We're really excited to have uh, my friend Sophia Mayer here with us today. Uh, Sophia is uh, currently a Penn State student here uh, where I work and just an incredible human being who really ends up being in a lot of wonderful places advocating for 
justice for all, um, standing up for those who feel marginalized or oppressed. And um, at a big school like this, there tends to be some oppression going on. <laughs> and uh, and I, it's it's wonderful that our paths crossed. And um, I feel very fortunate to know Sophia. And and so <laughs> several weeks ago, I said, hey, here's a list of the upcoming albums. Any of those stand out? And she was kind enough to say, yeah, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. So. Um, <laughs> The circle has has come to uh, a close now, and here she is as our special guest tonight as we tackle this iconic album. So thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited for this, and thanks for that intro. <laughs> you bet. I was um, thinking the other day, a lot of our special guests we have pulled in specifically because they were born around the time an album comes out. Um, this is an interesting one because neither Mike nor I were born uh, at the time of this album coming out. And you're actually younger than us, Sophia. So we are doing no one a service by having, uh, <laughs> none of us are gonna be experts here, but I think all three of us uh, do share an appreciation and a love for this album. And so I think the conversation is gonna be fantastic, even though none of us were there when it actually came out, so. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a fantastic point and it kind of, I think says something about the album that all three of right. us are so interested in it right. when it's not something that we grew up with. Absolutely. And we've talked a couple of times on this podcast about um, stuff that's so iconic, it just becomes sort of the fabric of uh, society, American culture. Um, I think this is probably true for this album. They were trying to craft something that was going to be iconic, but it was going to be their um, multi-million uh, album record-breaking kind of success, and uh, and it, it happens. I know that doesn't always happen when people try, um, but it, it also has just sort of woven itself into the zeitgeist, I guess, and it's just a thing that's present in our lives now, whether we are aware of it or not, it's just there. Hmm. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to that more, but um, yeah. So, so all three of us uh, not around when this album came out. The first question that we asked, though, when we uh, start each episode is, um, have we listened to it in its entirety? Uh, I think the answer is yes for all three, but I want to hear more. Uh, Mike, do you want to kick things off? Um, what's this album meant for you? Or ha has it been something that you have picked up? I've heard this album before, uh, but really only once start to finish. But that was special because a number of years ago, um, my wife and kids were camping and I was going to meet them on a Friday night and I was driving up with my sister who I'm very close with and we were listening to music and she said have you heard rumors and I said no I haven't listened to it I really want to so we put it on and the first time I heard it was uh just my sister and I alone on a two-hour oh, car fun. ride and just and we're both um people don't always believe me when I say this but we can both be quieter people um <laughs> So, so we just, we were just quietly listening and chatting a little bit. So that, that's a really special memory um, that I kind of got to share that with my sister, but I didn't, that was probably, let's say five years ago, but I hadn't listened to it until we started doing this project. Mm. And earlier this year, as uh, if you listen to this podcast before, you know that I bought a record player and I'm getting into starting a, a record collection. And this album was the very first one that I bought. Wow. Uh, I was in the record store and trying to not spend all my money at once. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a handful of 
absolutely iconic albums. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, I need to be financially responsible here. (laughs) And even though I had like uh, in my hand, I had, uh, I think I had uh, Zeppelin one and dark side of the moon and all these amazing iconic albums. Mm. I decided because I was least familiar with it to get rumors. And because I knew it was one coming up here on our list and so that's the first that's the first album i got it is and it is a a vintage recording so it's it's pretty cool and it's in good shape too um there's a big kind of mark there's a scratch on the back and it goes right through the last track so the guy at the record store said well why don't i put it on for you so you can hear it so he put it on and uh, he has a wireless setup in his record store, so it's blasting through the whole store uh, on these speakers um, on his you know, wireless turntable, which was super cool. And I said, okay, tell me when it gets to the scratch. And he goes, oh, it's going right through it right now. And it sounded amazing. So as long as you can't feel the scratch with your finger, if it's just a super fin- superficial mark, uh, the, ne- the needle doesn't pick it up. So anyways, that... Uh, Sophia, you'll learn that I really, really start talking a lot when I talk about <laughs> records. Yeah, I, that. <laughs> I bet you were um, about to tell uh, us that uh, the scratch goes through the last track, so you've never actually listened to that <laughs> part of the album before. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gold Dust Woman is on this album. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, so that so those are those are two kind of special memories. So I hadn't listened to it much, but even though I hadn't listened to it start to finish. I still felt like I was familiar with all of it. Yeah. Uh, so that's me. What about you, Sophia? Sure. I came to the album late. I remember listening it, listening to it, and thinking many of the songs were familiar. Of course, this, as you said, then forms the background of so much of the ambience of our life. But listening to it straight through was an almost magical experience. Mm. I remember mm. being very impressed. I'm very surprised at how much I enjoyed this music, especially its opening few tracks. And I remember taking it down to show my mom, and there's very few albums that my mom and I and my dad can all enjoy at once. Usually, as much as I try, I can't find some common ground with my mom, (laughs) not just with genre, but with specific tastes in music. Mm. But this, I think shows what a special album it is by the Mm -hmm. fact that it was one of my mom's favorite albums, one of my dad's favorite albums, and I, who's, of course, much younger, one Mm -hmm. of my favorite albums, too. Uh, It's just such a diverse, powerful album, Mm. and I was blown away. I love that. Um, I actually just recently, I guess on our last episode, was talking about or maybe it was two episodes ago. So a way I'm judging whether music is relevant or not is the way that my family responds to it when I put it on. And as some of these classic albums, there's very quick response, like, turn that off. What are you listening to? Mm. (laughs) But not with this one. Uh, (laughs) This album, like, even our three-year-old was kind of like bopping along to it. We were listening to it at dinner the one night, and he was like, uh, nodding his head so much that so we're like, okay, we got to turn it off or he's not going to eat his mashed potatoes or whatever. <laughs> um, it was really interesting. And I, I like that about it. Um, it does seem to have this timeless, a uh, cross-generation sure. quality to it. That's, that's really magical. Um, <clears throat> if you're a long time listener to this podcast, you know, 
that Mike and I have spent a decent amount of time talking about whether or not um, uh, greatest hits albums are uh, a good thing. Mm. <laughs> and uh, we've got a mutual friend named Dustin, who uh, was a special guest all the way back when we did London Calling by The Clash. Dustin really wanted me to get this Fleetwood Mac album in particular. But I remember we were in a UCD store flipping through and the greatest hits was cheaper than rumors. And I was like, I'm not going to get rumors if I can get the greatest hits album for less mm. money. So I got that instead. And I think I fell in love with Fleetwood Mac through that greatest hits album. And it was only later that I was like, I got to give rumors uh, a listen and was, was impressed by the, the reality is I think I like it more than the greatest hits. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that says something about the way an album is constructed when it stands above uh, the best songs in a, an artist's career. Um, a lot of these songs are on the Greatest Hits album, and so maybe that's why I, I felt so familiar with it um, through my first listen. Um, but it is really a great uh, album that I go through seasons where it seems to come up um, on my Spotify listening more frequently than others. So I'll go several months without listening to it and then just get on a kick where I I feel like I put it on a couple times a week. Um, yeah, it's, it's continued to stay with me uh, since I heard it the first time. I want to ask an open question yeah. to both of you, and, and I can answer as well. Oftentimes we ask, especially when we hadn't heard it before, did you have any pre, preconceived notions what you expect it to sound like? This is a little different because most, or I think all three of us have been listening to this for a long time, and it's harder to answer this question when yeah. you just don't remember a time that it didn't exist. But, but if you can transport yourself to the time before you listen to this, mm-hmm. what did you expect it would be like? Sophia, any thoughts? Oh, sure. I think that my first time listening to the album itself, I expect it to be a little bit dusty, the kind of thing that your parents would like Something that yeah. you can sort of yeah. jam to, but you recognize it's a little bit dated. And I think the fact that so much of Fleetwood Mac is, again, the ambience of the world, <laughs> not something you really listen to, something that's in the background. I figured it to be kind of an eloquent elevator music. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. pleasantly surprised when I actually turned my attention to it. It was definitely worth the effort yeah i think i felt the same way i don't know what it says about me that maybe i actually like adult contemporary Mm. (laughs) Uh, this is not uh, classic rock in the same way that a lot of the albums are on this rolling stone greatest albums list Um, it is certainly more poppy but i think there is more substance Mm. to it than than sort of adult contemporary music at least the whatever that term means in my head um sure. i think my cheesy yeah cheesy maybe <laughs> that's true uh, it does get cheesy at times but i kind of like the cheese on this uh on this record it's good cheese um <laughs> good with <Wisconsin>. well aged <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah uh the first song i i have a memory of is rhiannon by fleetwood mac and i think my assumption probably was that this album was going to be kind of like that like uh, a little moody, lots and lots of harmonizing, um, nice sweeping chorus line. Uh, and a lot of that is true, but um, but it's so much more than that, I think, too. Well, yeah, you're not far off. And 
I think they were living under the shadow of that massive hit because that was from the album that came the year before yeah. or a year or two before. So that kind of really rock, rocketed them into popularity because that was a huge hit. And they were trying to kind of replicate that but be different. And I think they did a great job. Yeah. I, felt, I feel the same way as you, Ben, kind of a generic 70s rock. I feel like we said the same thing before we listened to Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run. Oh, yeah. That we just thought it, we, we've kind of judged these classic 70s bands and albums as all kind of sounding the same. And given the opportunity to listen to them, we see that they're full of solid gold. Yeah, kind of makes me wonder what else is out there. <laughs> that's i guess that's why we're doing this thing yeah good point uh so yeah that's my uh that was kind of my take on it before as well um i want to share one more memory that you've kind of brought to the front of my brain ben in talking about your family and this is a memory that that i've created just today <laughs> but it's very so long ago <laughs> it's it's still it's still a memory even though it just happened um after supper tonight i had a little time to kill and i wanted to make some notes and i wanted to listen to this album one more time and so i put the disc on and i said to my son who's nine i'm gonna go down to the basement i'm gonna listen to this album make some notes you want to just come down and hang out you can play on your phone or read a book or whatever he said sure so i was listening and typing and we had it we had it on the stereo cranked pretty pretty high and almost every song when it started he goes oh this song this is on this album <laughs> and he would start singing along and he did it about five or six times i said you you know this music he said yeah dad these songs are really good <laughs> and he was uh my wife came down about halfway through and noticed the same thing like you really digging this music and he's yeah i really like it you know, so again, uh, and we'll get to this later, but that's the test of the timelessness yeah, right. when you have someone who's 40 years removed from it, who just walks into it. Now, I guess there's the, you know, when someone you admire likes something, you want to like that thing too. So, yeah. you know, and when we grow up, um, not all the time, but when we're close with our parents, you know, we like the things that they like a lot of right. times, unless the things that they like really suck, because <laughs> that happens sometimes too. <laughs> But um, yeah, so that's another really special memory. And as we've discussed, there's something so special about spending time with people you're close with listening to music. And with all the devices we have where we, you know, you can sit in a room with five other people and everybody's plugged in to their own thing. It's pretty nice to be able to sit down and share one thing, uh, which used to be very common, but now is less common. So uh, it's very special. And, and I like those uh, moments and memories and this working on this project this podcast has provided that opportunity for me and i know for you as well yeah. so um that's kind of kind of special mm -hmm. amen oh thank you yeah, joe biden <laughs> gave a shout out to records just recently in one of the debates oh really yeah he said you know when you put on your record player for your kids when they're asleep <laughs> <laughs> oh man he's so in, very hip he's so in touch with that's right the youth of today coming back <laughs> he probably remembers when uh lps came out first <laughs> oh. <laughs> when they switched when they switched from uh 78 to 33 and a third right. speed Okay, well, let's we'll keep moving on here. Uh, do you guys have any other um, memories 
about the album in general before we move on to some details? One of my favorite references to this album comes in another piece of pop culture, and that's in an episode of the uh, Flight of the Concords. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they're talking about a relationship that they have uh, where they're both chasing after the same girl, and their manager tells them, uh, you got to end it. Jermaine, you should think about that. I've, I've told you, you know, when you're in a band, you don't get with your bandmate's girlfriend, past or present. Useful, thanks for that. You get a love triangle, you know? Fleetwood Mac situation. Although there was four of them, so more of a love square, but you know, no one gets on. Okay, I see. Mind you, they did make some of their best music back then. Rumors? No, that's no, all true. <laughs> that is a, that's a good one. Okay, let's do some details. Details, 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 details. Uh, this album was released February 4th, 1977 and was their 11th studio album as a band. Although Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks joined, I think, earlier in the 70s. Uh, it had been just the other three and someone else before then. So almost all of them have writing credits throughout the album. They, they worked on the tracks individually on the lyrics and kind of then came together at the end. So that's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. I'm not going to list who wrote. You can kind of tell because usually, especially for the ones that the vocalists write, usually they sing lead on the ones mm-hmm. they wrote. So you can kind of tell um, who wrote it. They all sing on all the tracks, you know, all three of the main leads. So excluding excluding John McVie and uh, Mick Fleetwood, the other three of them sing on all the tracks pretty much um this went number one in the u.s the uk australia canada and new zealand uh was a massive hit everywhere around the world and since then has sold over 40 million copies worldwide and that is a huge success i heard somewhere today uh the eighth highest album in sales uh you know off the top of my head the only ones i can think of are like you know, probably Thriller. I think the Sound of Music soundtrack is way up there, uh, which is not on this Rolling Stone <laughs> list, obviously. Right. We'll pick it up when we're all done. Um, uh, and a lot of awards for this album. Uh, Grammy Award for Album of the Year in 78. Um, Mick Fleetwood said it was the most important album they ever made because its success allowed the group to continue for years and years. And you can imagine... You know, even if you release an album, and I'm not saying this happened, but if you release an album and it's not great, people are still going to go see you live yeah. <laughs> because because they like the previous stuff, right? Right. right. Um, so they just had a ton of money to make this. They are already relatively successful, um, but they felt like their recordings were best when they were at their worst. And so there's a quote that they would come into the studio, have a massive feast with everyone involved. Um, then they'd start to get into the drugs because they were recording in an area that was kind of uh, known as sort of a hippie paradise. And so there was lots of readily available stuff, especially when you had money. Um, so they'd get like really full on food, um, get completely whacked out, uh, especially using cocaine. And then um, when they were all just sort of like tripping over themselves, they'd, uh, you know, around one or two in the morning, then they'd start to record. Hmm. Um, it's a, it's an amazingly (laughs) polished album considering that that's their, like (laughs) what they thought would work. Uh, 
Um, maybe says something about the time uh, that we're talking about here in the late seventies. Um, mm. But yeah, so they're really living into like a world of excess. Um, and simultaneously they are uh, having relationships fall apart and finding new relationships and certain times certain members are not speaking to each other and, or, or only speaking to each other so that they can finish uh, a, a track or a song. Hmm. Um, it reminds me, I guess, a little bit of the White Album, you know, that, that moment in time in the Beatles career when uh, they were also so big and also not getting along, but for the good of the, for the good of the project, essentially, they were sort of like living with each other uh, to make their art. Sure. And I think, I think that's the same for rumors here. It's an extraordinary story, I think, because the album itself sounds so sober. Yeah, it's, right. And all, not only <laughs> yeah, sober, yes. but coordinated and moderate. Yeah. It's, they seem to be coordinating so well together to yeah. make this beautifully balanced sound, exquisitely subtle vocalizations yeah. and rhythms. Yeah. I find that contrast fascinating. It's also not the kind of stereotypical album that you would associate with drugs. Right. Unlike the Beatles. Yeah, it doesn't sound psychedelic or, uh, you know, the rhythms are not like, you know, it doesn't sound like math rock or something where it's just all wacky and and things like that. Um, and actually, I think the thing that made this point so striking for me this week specifically was that I was listening to the deluxe edition which has a whole bunch of live performances from the same era hmm. of these songs. And they don't sound very good. Like mm. the oh. performing live, uh, I know is always a challenge. And I'm sure in that era, recording live in the late seventies was a different thing than today, but the vocals are not as tight. The instrumentation doesn't sound as good. And because there are so many layers on these tracks, the, the songs all sound a little hollow. Like they're not fully filled in. Hmm. Um, so they're maybe they need more feasts. Maybe they need more feasts. Yeah. They maybe they did not eat a big enough meal before getting on stage. But um, yeah, you can tell that there's something really magical that took place in the studio because they weren't, at least in the, in the recordings I heard, they weren't able to replicate that sound ever again mm. live, um, which is really fascinating. So let's talk about the album cover because this is one Ooh, of boy. these iconic <laughs> album covers um, you know, and I usually try and describe it, so uh, I'll give it a shot. I like the letter. <laughs> I like I like I like the lettering. So in the that's in the, the thing that immediately jumps out. Oh yeah, I, I'm just gonna start. Well, I'm gonna start with that because it's. I don't know. That's very 70s to me. We should point out, Mike, before yes. we get too far, the spelling of rumors. Okay, sure. Do you want to talk about that now? <laughs> Well, it's significant because this is a binational podcast. Right. <laughs> Rumors makes perfect sense for Canadians, not so much for Americans. Uh, yeah. I think every time I tried to type it into my Google Doc this week, it underlined it as an incorrect <laughs> spelling. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I feel some tension there with Fleetwood Mac rumors. And interesting that they chose to spell it that way as an American band. Well, well but... Only Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks are American. The other three are British. Oh, which would have the that. which would have the correct spelling of rumors. Do you think in, they arm wrestled in in, 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 in England? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's it's three it's three versus two, so maybe that's how they decided. <laughs> but they recorded it in. The, in? Is that what they said? They recorded it. <laughs> are you in? <laughs> Very good. You're so clever. Well, it's interesting um, with the script too. You can barely see the you. Oh, look how subtle that is. I love I that. Wonder if there's a little bit of a compromise. <laughs> and then we have Mick Fleetwood, the drummer, in a a black vest over his white collared shirt. Uh, one foot up on a on a stool, and Stevie mm-hmm. Nicks is is dressed um, in a black uh-huh. uh, out, <laughs> outfit with. Uh... Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm hey, I'm getting there. Okay, <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> She's dancing with her leg over his knee. Uh, he has a long uh, ponytail. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I missed, but my son. Uh, was delighted to point out that Mick Fleetwood has two round balls hanging below his uh, crotch. I should be clear; those aren't not his balls, not, not his genitalia, yeah, not, not like his his person <laughs> part of his anatomy, but two spheres on strings uh, that are hanging there. And I had never even noticed that. I had the album in my hand, like the record, <laughs> the record. I brought it home, and he and my son goes. Hey dad, are those balls hanging below that guy? And I was like, <laughs> no. What are you talking? And I looked, I was like, ah, uh, why, well, yes, they are. <laughs> there are two. I have never noticed that before. So the story that I read, and feel free to come in with something else here, is that those are his good luck charms that he oh. hangs on his drum kit that he found years earlier in a pub in one of the old chain flush toilets. They were hanging off the the chain of this toilet in a pub and he took them, which is not, <laughs> I would not take something that had been in a pub <laughs> toilet, uh, ever. I mean, no amount of cleaning is going to make that. Okay. Um, <laughs> they're his good luck charm. So I guess for this photo shoot, uh, he has them there now. I, I don't know any stories about why they appear in this photo shoot, but that's his good luck charm. So it's not the only Fleetwood Mac cover with, uh suspended ball oh their self-titled album has a singular ball kind of floating in the Mm. air um i'm i'm not sure why this was a thing like their motifs seem to like be fairly consistent Mm -hmm. um and sort of like almost acrobatic kinds of positions uh sort of fun and whimsical but also very classic looking mm-hmm. almost victorian looking or something like that um, i think that says something about the album itself maybe just the mix between the ridiculous humor with the <laughs> stoic picture almost yeah. taking itself too seriously but the subtleness yet high contrast it's a delightfully paradoxical album cover and <laughs> a delightfully paradoxical album Oh man, Mike, a Google search also shows, you'll appreciate this as a Star Wars fan. Oh my a, goodness. Uh, a, a mock cover. Yes. Uh, that says Rebel <laughs> Fleet rumors um, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Princess Leia and um, Han Solo with the same suspended balls. Well, and that that is a very Han Solo-esque uh, getup that he has there. <laughs> Uh, right. and, and in that drawing, I believe he's holding a tiny Death Star in his hand. 
Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I've also researched that uh, Stevie Nicks is dressed as uh, her persona of Rhiannon, which was their hit. Oh, yeah. From and that um, it's this Welsh uh, witch that she Mm. that is described in the song that she would dress up as during their shows after that or during Mm. the shows for that album which came before this album. So I read a uh, conservative Christian blogger um, talking about how evil this band is because of the lyrics of their albums. And also the fact that she's a witch kept, he kept coming back to that. Um, yeah. So that would do it. <laughs> we all grew up in all three of us grew up in fairly conservative Christianity. It's interesting that this was still an album that was, permissible in our homes with uh, a witch on the cover and some dangling balls but um, I mean that's not the first thing I think of when I see her though no and I don't think of that when I listen to their songs either but you know that's the most dangerous kind of evil that you don't don't pick up on right away (laughs) that's true very good subliminal messages right yeah but they're right, like they're right there. <laughs> How did I not see them? No, yes. I don't know if this is significant or not, but the the base color behind the album is like an, an off white, almost a, a cream yeah. color. And why do we make? Why do we ever make things this color? It's like everything <laughs> that's that color looks looks old and faded. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I guess. Maybe you do that so that if it's white, it'll look old and faded later. But if you just do that now, then you avoid that. Maybe that's the classic motif that they're going for, Mm -hmm. Sophia said. It's very monochromatic, Mm -hmm. extremely iconic. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, I feel like all we really want to talk about here is balls. But (laughs) uh, (laughs) I guess there's other things happening. Freud Um, would disagree. This is one of the album covers that I think many people would recognize. I recognized it even before I knew the music. Mm. Um, it's one that I'd seen my aunt and uncle who are probably a lot more the age. They would have been right, you know, right in their prime listening, you know, late teens. Um, I remember seeing this, you know, a CD or a tape when I was little. And I didn't know what it was, but I do remember the image. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, very iconic. Uh, okay. Track listing. Can we do it in funny voices? <laughs> That'd be oh. a first. Yeah. Well, it's your suggestion. You have to start. Secondhand news. Oh, uh, we could do it like, um, uh, who's the announcer for SNL? <laughs> Dreams! <laughs> Never going back again. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Don't stop. Go your own way. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Songbird. <laughs> Ben, silly I'm, voice. I'm not feeling the silly voice. And you haven't done one yet. Uh, how about the chain? <laughs> I like I like that. That was good. Uh, that was good. Yeah. 
I'm proud of you, Ben. <laughs> In fact, you make loving fun. Oh. <laughs>
Well, it does sound a little bit different. It does sound yeah. a little bit out of place. But in its defense, okay. I do think that the album itself tends to capitalize on that seeming out of placeness. They put uh, high contrast mm-hmm. in all their songs. The difference, for yes. example, between secondhand news and dreams, and then right after dreams, which is a, a sort of a sobering, eerie, but somehow hopeful song. Yeah. You have Never Going Back Again, which <laughs> which makes it far more lighthearted in a, in a mm-hmm. different way. All of these songs. There play is off a, of contrast a pendulum swing there, isn't there? That's yeah. Right. The only thing I can think of in comparison, and it might seem like a ridiculous comparison, but <laughs> I think of Beyonce's Lemonade, oh. defying genre with each and every song in yeah. a way that still feels cohesive. Yeah. It was a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, Stevie Wonder's Inner Visions, where there's kind of a bounce back and forth there, too, right? Is that is that what I'm thinking of, Mike? Absolutely. He he does the same thing. And Sophia, as you were speaking, I was thinking about Intervisions because CV Wonder did the same thing where he did a great blend of kind of fast pace, slow pace, different lyrics, different themes going back and forth, a really good balance. Mm-hmm. Some stuff that's really poppy and fun and some stuff that really makes you think. Uh, I think this song or this album is full of that too. Sure. Uh, I think you can think about this high contrast just with trying to figure out what sort of genre we can associate with the album first <laughs> it's it true. very yeah. easy but is this pop is this rock is yeah. this bluegrass is this country is this mm-hmm. jazz is this blues i feel elements of all of those styles in different songs yes. here yeah. and it doesn't feel the contrast is subtle it doesn't make you feel like these are entirely different uh, isolated songs. It's not a best of album. It feels cohesive, yeah. but I think they weave together these genres in a very powerful way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just elevated this album to another level in my mind, right there. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a few albums that we've listened to and in existence that I really think. I know this is kind of a concluding uh, statement, but it's not meant to be. That are really masterpieces, and I think this is one of them. Mm-hmm. They just, there's so many things here. It's well produced. There's so many different sounds and different influences from genres. You're, you're bang on, Sophia. It's, if there's so many different things happening, but they don't sound out of place. Mm. It's not, okay, well, there's the obligatory blues solo, or there's mm. the, there's the saxophone solo with a little bit of reverb, which is super cheesy. No, it's, it's all very fitting. Um, and I think they did a great job at blending those different influences. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head, too, with talking about the lack of solo work here. You feel everything is mm-hmm. cohesive, and no one appears to be trying to take the limelight in any of these songs. Except Every, for Songbird. Except, well, maybe for Songbird. <laughs> maybe for Songbird. I guess we're going to trash Songbird. But it does feel like it's something that's cohesive, something yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. And it does feel like there is a distinct lack of ego, which maybe is just my naivete in coming at this album. But it yeah. feels very much like a jazz performance in that balance. Yeah. And I think that's reflected <clears throat> in the masterwork of the editing that came from these yeah. songs afterwards, the superb balance, beautiful composition. Uh, just as um, it's hard to imagine that they're all high on cocaine while making this, yes. <laughs> it's so also true. hard to imagine how cohesive it is based on 
their hatred of each other too, mm-hmm. right? Like as the band's becoming more dysfunctional, they're stepping aside in a very jazz-like way and allowing each other to shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like who does that? If you hate someone, <laughs> why would you, you know, why would you say, oh, I think you'd be great for this part right here. Sure. Uh, uh, let's let you have it like that. That's so interesting that yeah. the art came far before the, um, the drama. A lot of unanswered questions. A lot with of this unanswered questions. Drama <laughs> of its creation. There's a great uh, um, meme out there floating around the interwebs of uh, uh, someone listening. Uh, the images of uh, people fighting in the background and someone with their headphones on with a blissful look. And the mm-hmm. caption is uh, me listening to Fleetwood Mac and Fleetwood Mac recording the album. <laughs> so <it's> like, <laughs> that's uh, funny. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Uh, well, I have some general comments about the tracks and some specific comments about individual tracks. Mm-hmm. So in general, the harmonies are absolutely insane. Yeah. Just mm-hmm such a great blend and sometimes it's just a three part sometimes it feels like there's a lot more parts and layers and different octaves because um lindsey buckingham has a very high register a very high range and a lot of times i struggle to determine whether it's him singing or one of the women singing because he sings so high so that you can kind of do that you can have him sing high and then also sing a lower harmony with the women singing the 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 middle harmonies. Uh, so it's just a great blend, a really, really warm feeling. And one of the things that I find that uh, vinyl is really good in capturing is all the nuances of vocal performances because oh. you hear everything in between. Um, so this is a great album to listen to on vinyl because you mm. hear these beautiful harmonies. So that's one thing. Um, the word that keeps coming to mind as I'm listening to these songs is familiar. All the songs and the sounds and the lyrics and the mm-hmm. the different parts and the choruses are so familiar because as we've talked, this is one of these soundtrack of life albums. These songs mm. are just everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you, you probably have a memory, you know, because they're just so familiar. Right. Um, as we've discussed, everything about this album is very well produced. I wouldn't say overproduced, but very well produced and heavily produced and well mixed. I noticed the mixing is good, very good yeah. balance. Some things are quieter. Um, one thing I noticed is the rhythm guitars in a lot mm-hmm. of the tracks are very precise. You can hear the strumming and it's very, it's not just, you know, somebody banging out some chords. It's very precise strumming patterns, uh, but they just kind of float in behind everything and it's really well done. The song Dreams uh, has always been one of my favorite Fleetwood Mac songs. Yeah. When I first heard it on the radio years ago, uh, just that, oh, it's it's quiet but uh, intentional. The the drive and the groove is very intentional, and it it really just plows along. Like it just <laughs> it just moves, even though it's not a loud in your face song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the lyrics too. Are really. Uh, really neat lyrics so that's my favorite and one that i feel like i didn't discover till more recently is the chain and this is oh yeah one hell of a composition <laughs> it's just and and it starts it starts quiet then it gets louder than it that everything drops out and then they come back in and then it gets big again and then they drop out again <laughs> and then come in with just the bass and then it builds up to full, like, crazy guitar solos and everybody singing together again. 
and then it fades out. It's like a roller coaster. It's just that that's the only one that um, they're all credited as writers too. Well, it sounds like a group effort yeah. um, because there's a lot of things happening. And uh, I have um, younger kids who are of the age that we love to watch all the Marvel movies. And this song was featured in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Oh, really? Um, because the soundtrack is always the music that uh, Star-Lord grew up with, Peter oh, Quill. Yeah. So it's the first one, it's the tape that his mom gave to him uh, that he carries around with him and on the second movie it's uh, the second tape that she gave to him you know as she was dying but he's kind of held held on to it and he doesn't open it up till the end of the first movie so in the second movie we hear we hear all that music Um, so it's always the hits of like the 70s and the early 80s and I heard that the writer and director of the movie picked the songs first and then wrote the plot around the feel or some of the scenes around the feel of the songs. Mm. So I don't know if that's totally true, mm. but um, they use the chain um, on a few. It's, there's it's kind of one of the the big battle scene at the end. They blend the chain into the soundtrack of the movie, mm. and it, it fits so well because it is a very kind of cinematic sound. Yeah. They use the chain in the first the big trailer before the movie came out they used the chain um baby groot kind of plugs two ends of a cable together and the bass line comes in <laughs> uh which isn't in the movie but it's in the trailer and it's pretty cool yeah. so yeah, you can check that out um but but it's it's an awesome song Absolutely. and then finally um last thing and then i'll stop talking and give <laughs> everyone else a chance for a while um Earlier this evening, I was preparing. My wife said, um, you should listen to an episode of a podcast that I like called Sound Exploder, where they get artists to break down a song and they go and they play different tracks like they single out, you know, the vocal track and the guitar track talk about how it was made. So there's an episode where Lindsey Buckingham talks about how Go Your Own Way was made and a lot of the inspiration. So this the song is about... um, kind of the end of his relationship with Stevie Nicks because that had kind of broken down and they were on again off again but this was kind of his way of saying um, you know you're 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 free to go like it's over and I guess they're kind of coming to terms of it so uh, really it's it's not a long episode 15-20 minutes so I really recommend checking that out because it gives a lot of insight into it and of course most of these songs are very much about relationships and um, different challenges and uh, very relational lyrics. All of it, almost all of them are about something like yeah. that, something kind of dramatic. Um, while we're giving podcast shout-outs, uh, the Great Albums podcast um, does a review of Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, and in there they okay. talk about the the song um, "Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow." Sure. It was uh, Bill Clinton's campaign trail song, and uh, and that they have a hard yeah. they have a hard, hard time ever uh, <laughs> enjoying that song because they could just remember like these, you know, <laughs> convention halls filled yeah. with old white guys sort sure. of dancing along awkwardly too. Yes, oh, that's uh, that's one surefire way to ruin to, a song. To, just to, to become just attach it to a, a mediocre political campaign. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. we're very political today. Um, <laughs> I do think that it's 
unfortunately you mentioned dreams and the chain those are definitely two of my favorites uh tracks mm. on this album my guess would be just knowing my mom that those are probably her least favorite tracks <laughs> but I think that they are incredibly dynamic yeah i think they show a wide vocal range but i think they also show a wide emotive range i think that mm. it's fascinating that you talked about the connection between the chain and a cinematic plot because i do feel yeah. like listening to the album listening to just the chain feels like listening to an album it feels like a whole cinematic plot yeah it has a lot of depth it feels very grandiose and yet understated it conveys a lot of emotion but it also shows a little bit of ambiguity yeah the whole album has a tension between a lot of different emotions I think that can speak to its popularity. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people find that they can take what they want from the album. Yeah. And Shane is one of those songs that just has a lot for everyone. Good choice to lead off side two. Uh, <laughs> in the same way that you need a soft song to oh, yeah. finish out side one. Mm -hmm. Something really to draw you back in there on the, the second right. side. Huh. That's right. Again, those high contrasts. Yeah, and something we don't necessarily pick up, pick up on when we listen through on Spotify. Mm -hmm. um, we've lost that that uh, that artistic aspect of putting together vinyl, <laughs> right? It's uh, it's a it's, it's a skill a set, morning, right? <laughs> morning session. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But you know, I, Joe Biden's going to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> you have something to put your kids to that's bed. Right. With. That's right. That's right. But uh, we should point out that four of these songs were released as singles. Oh, Go okay, your yeah. own way, dreams, don't stop, and you make love and fun were all. Uh, put out as attempts to get radio hits going. I guess it must have worked if you can sell 40 million copies. Sure. Um, it's not like uh, Thriller in that like eight songs were were um, singles. Uh, it's also not like a few of the albums on this list that have zero singles. Mm. <laughs> um, it's a good, good amount uh, considering that there's only 11 tracks to have four singles. There could be probably at least two more, three more, I would say. Probably, yeah. I I think The Chain, Secondhand News, Gold Dust Woman, I think those could all be singles. It's surprising to me that Secondhand News was not. I mean, that's the one that yeah. I think has the hook that I would expect sure. to hear on, oh. on uh, yeah. radio. It, so many of these albums would feel delightful on their own, but still somehow together i think the comparison to a best of album that somehow cohesive yeah, yeah. was a good one yeah this is a best of album that is its yeah. own cohesive Standalone. story yeah yes. right yeah for sure i had no idea until researching that this was fleetwood Mac's 11th album right. and really brought to the forefront of my mind that i guess i just yeah. don't know this band very well yeah, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> and have a lot more to uh to kind of listen to and research about them. Okay, so I'm looking at pictures as I'm researching <laughs> of John McVie, and I can't help but think about Harry Shearer's character, Derek Smalls, in Spinal Tap, and <laughs> put two pictures side by side. I don't know. <laughs> they look pretty close. Well, so when was Spinal Tap released? Mid-80s? Uh, 82? Oh. Um, and I mean, funny thing is, because I looked it up, is that he, it doesn't say he might have based it on somebody who's mentioned in some um, Jethro Tull albums, uh, okay. but 
he does play a bass player, and John McVie was the bass player, so you almost <laughs> wonder if he kind of based it on oh, him. Wow. That's really funny. Huh. Such a generic late 70s, early yeah. 80s look. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other, Sophia, you have some comments just in general? Do you think that there's a connection between the diversity of sounds that you hear on the album and its widespread popularity? Mm. It's a little bit of stuff for everyone. Something for everyone. It's a buffet right. album. It's a buffet album. <laughs> That's right. I like, I like that. That's good. Did you, did you just make that up now? Yeah. The buffet? Yeah. The buffet album. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you need to you need to uh you need to copyright that. Put it That's on good. a t shirt. <laughs> so I think I think we've come to the point where we ask the question, is this album still relevant? Uh, Sophia, you go first. I would say a resounding yes. I do th- and and can can I connect these two questions together? Yes, you can. Separately. Yes, okay. you can. No, they, we find that there's a lot of overlap. Sure. I do yeah. feel like this album is still relevant. I think that, but I'm going to have to qualify that a little bit. <laughs> I sure. think that the album's absolutely relevant in that some of the songs feel like they could be heard right now, not only as something that could be heard on the radio right now, but something that people who are making music right now can aspire to. Mm. I think that you could mm-hmm. definitely hear a very indie sound quality to a lot of these pieces in, in a very good way. I think that, you know, someone like Noah and the Whale or the Mountain Goats or Fleet Foxes could all aspire to having these powerful sounds that we get off of secondhand news and dreams. I think that those are definitely, if they were released now, would still be very popular. I think that other songs do feel a little dated, but still relevant. Mm. I think that they definitely crafted uh, a soundscape for the late 70s. Things like Mm. Go Your Own Way and Don't Stop, I think wouldn't be successful as pop songs now. But as for pop songs then, it takes you to a certain place in time. One that I had never lived through, but I imagine <laughs> that that's what it sounded like. That's the we image only that's assume. in my head. Yeah. And yeah. but as you said, there are some songs that are just timeless. They have become iconic. Mm-hmm. Songs like "The Chain," I think, would be a really good example of something that, in any point in time, one would be able to recognize, not as just a time or place or a fashion but as Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. as an iconic moment in music. Done. Yeah, we're done. I don't know what else to <laughs> add to that. I, I agree. I think, Sophie, earlier you said um, that it's hard to p- place your finger on what genre this is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest part I have to know whether it still is relevant because it, I mean, okay, so it is such a buffet album. There's something for everyone. I think that there are tracks here that some people will find tired or or frustrating and you know i i apparently have a problem with songbird um songbird uh, my nemesis right right so so i think it's it's absolutely relevant for me my hunch is that it's going to be there's going to be a track on this album that's relevant for just about anyone Hmm. the whole album may be harder uh for for every person to say that it's relevant um (laughs) And I think I feel the same way about the the does it sound dated. I think there are, are aspects of the song, the aspects of the songs here that just sound really uh, timeless, and aspects that sound uh, firmly in the seventies. 
Um, and that's not a bad thing. I think yeah. there's actually, uh, in addition to the bands that you mentioned, um, there are lots of other bands trying to recapture that California 70s rock sound. Sure. Uh, I think about Dawes in particular, maybe mm-hmm. one of my favorite bands that that really is trying to um, put as many harmonies into every song that they can, Absolutely. trying to have a hook, but also have a, a sort of more darker side to some of their songs. Right. And Or the Decemberists. The Decemberists, another great example, yeah. They sometimes think they're pirates, so I don't know how that fits <laughs> in with. <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely. So I think um, it probably sounds dated, but it's a dated sound that people are still striving for today. Does sure. that make any sense? It has resonances. So, yeah, it has some resonance. Yeah, I like that. Anything you want to add, Mike? I can't. You've you've said <laughs> everything I wanted. I totally agree. Uh, I don't think you can argue that music isn't relevant when you hear it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like you hear these songs everywhere, every, you know, yeah. whether it's classic rock or kind of a movie that just came out in the last several years. Sure. Yeah. It, oh, absolutely. Yeah. In, in some ways I almost wish I didn't. Mm. I feel like sometimes because it's such a beautiful album to listen to, to have it in the background of a convenience store, I feel like sometimes <laughs> it turns it into a generic pop song. Yeah, right. I think some of the the beauty of it can get lost when hmm. it turns into elevator music a little bit. Yeah. So I think when we sit down and listen to it, we can hear something even more hmm. powerful yeah. than when it's playing over the background. Well, it makes it a little less special when you hear it all the time. Yeah. But it does show how it's permeated kind of every part of yeah. our society. And it makes it familiar. Yeah. Like you said, it's a yes. comforting yeah. musical yeah. sound. Yeah. So the the question that we ask, you know, at the end of, of each review uh, on this list, this is number 26, was this sound logic for them to put it at number 26? Uh, let's start with our guest, Sophia. What do you think? Well, I think that if if not 26, maybe even higher, said it was sold to the eighth, like eighth most popular album of all time. I'm surprised it went yeah. so far back as 26. Yeah. But I do think mm-hmm. that as far as being in the top 50 and the top 30, I think that that aspect of it is well-deserved. Mm-hmm. I think that it's in, uh, really a testament. It, it's a beautiful example of how to craft a song effectively it has extraordinary balance beautifully composed the individual instrumental and vocal skill as well as how they interact is timeless very skillful um i think something that a lot of us could can aspire to Mm. and the fact that each song on its own has enough musical depth to Mm be its own album and yet the pieces work so beautifully together it makes it uh, timeless and i hesitate to sound cliche but a masterpiece of sound number one is that what you're saying well, <laughs> that's hard but, but definitely up there maybe yeah. in top 10 what do you think then i i think what we're seeing here is some of the bias of this the way this list is constructed, sure. I think because it focuses so much on uh, rock, an album like this that is a bit more poppy gets bumped down. Mm. That's my hunch, at least. I think that's why Michael Jackson's Thriller was not in the top 10. Sure. I think that's why this is all the way down at 26. Um, 
And <laughs> and I'm really realizing some of my own bias. I want to put those albums all at the top. I think mm-hmm. I want my music to be a little bit more radio friendly and a little bit more poppy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this album is getting into my top 10. I'm, I feel like I, that's a broken record. I feel like I'm saying that for a lot of the albums in this 21 to 30 well, it's not stretch so here. Bad if it's just a superficial scratch, it's that's actually true. okay. <laughs> that's true. Good point. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Wow. Full circle. <laughs> wow. Well done. Like um, so really? yeah, I think there, well, <laughs> too far. Um, there's some, some great stuff here that I think makes it, it should be higher in my mind. Uh, but this is the Rolling Stone list and not the Ben Weidman list. So um, I think it's, I think there's a reason that it's here and that it's not rocky enough. Hmm. Um, it's just a little bit too close to that adult contemporary category mm-hmm. for it to be in the top 10 for sure. Rolling Stone, uh, even though it will probably make mine. Absolutely. Mike, what about you? I agree that it should be higher, but I don't agree that it's too poppy. There are pop elements, but there are so many rock elements, guitar solos mm-hmm. and heavy drum beats and all those other things. Um, I think you're onto something that it does lean towards that. And maybe that's why it didn't land high. And, you know, we were learning more about the, the method by which they very uh, kind of numerically selected you know, there was a voting and ranking and different numerical values. And, hmm. uh, you know, so it's, it's very interesting. I mean, this, this, this is a diff- 500 albums. That's a difficult task. 500 sure. albums from, from, uh, a, a totally open pool. Like yeah. there was no, there were no limitations, right? They, the, the P the 200 plus people who got to vote could vote on any album they wanted. The only thing was that had to show up on five different lists. So you had to have five different people selected and then if it was high enough um, in terms of where they ranked it, then uh, it got on the list. So I, I think it should be in the top 20. And I think because of its influence, the success, uh, I can think, you know, if this is 26, I can think of at least six albums we've listened to so far that this is better than. <laughs> uh, sure. At so, least one higher. Absolutely. At least at least one higher. That's another T-shirt <laughs> design that's coming out. At least one higher. Sophia, we're referring very specifically to uh bob dylan's highway 61 revisited when we say at least one higher (laughs) (laughs) which happens to be number four on this list and we didn't yeah (laughs) we didn't agree but then again i guess it gets to the difficulty of ranking music absolutely oh yeah we were to say something that this album taught us it's that discordant things work together and maybe we can't just take things in isolation Right. Not to disqualify your wonderful podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that's kind of it. Um, one, I don't know if we'll include this segment. So we, Sophia, we started a new segment, which is, you know, what's your favorite uh, cover, and that we do that at the end, and then people can kind of explore that, and it yeah. opens up sure. to them. Um, I couldn't find anything either. The only one was that on that. Um, album you mentioned the legacy legacy a tribute to fleetwood max rumors was produced um and it contained songs from the original rumors album but performed by different artists who were influenced by the band uh and so it's a lot of like people you'd expect in the late 90s i think the goo goo dolls have a track and um you know artists like that unfortunately the album's not on spotify so i can't 
I couldn't listen this week to what mm. it sounded like, but Alas. I think that'd be fun. Someday I'll find Legacy, a tribute to Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Uh, earlier this evening, my wife and I were looking, trying to look for a cover, and the Cranberries do a pretty neat version of "Go Your Own oh. Way" on that, which is a, a really, a really neat vocal performance by the late uh, Dolores O'Riordan. So, uh, that's one I would recommend to check out. Um, "Go Your Own Way" performed by the Cranberries. Like the cranberries. Yeah, yeah, really interesting because it it definitely sounds like you know she applied her very specific. Uh, vocal style to it but then it gets they make it pretty rocky so uh, it's good it's a good one <laughs> can we think of something clever to send this off uh, Mike I wrote in Joshua Tree before we do the sign off is that actually true I just had that in my head and then realized I didn't actually check the list oh uh, I think well, it is true I, I think this is a theme. You always make me open up the document that has all 500 on them. Every, every ep- it has. I think it's happened every episode. We're almost done. It's like, okay, we're done. Oh, Mike, I have a question about, uh, do we have any more of these coming up? Or does, this have, does this artist have any more? <laughs> oh, let me open up this. Uh, yes, you're correct, Joshua. Okay. Well, since you, you have it out, uh, is Fleetwood Mac on here anymore? <laughs> oh, give me a second. <laughs> Uh, Fleetwood Mac album which one I don't know which one that is because they have two self-titled albums oh I would assume it's the one I I think it's the one that came before this that has Rihanna which I think is referred to as the white album so that's number 182 and then uh, oh that's it that's it okay that's the only other one um this is the tan album that's the white album (laughs) well this one actually had a name (laughs) so you don't have to call it the Tanel, you just call it Rumors (laughs) but uh, I believe their first album also was untitled from 1968 well I'm I'm not very creative Sophia so I can't think of anything creative to uh, sign us off with we we have typed out a sign off for everyone because that just (laughs) means we don't have to improvise let's say together before we do that I first want to say uh, Sophia, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Uh, this was an absolute pleasure to hear your memories and your insight and uh, just to learn a little bit about you through this. We made it you know, through, you're... even though all three of us were born after 1977. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it was a delightful time. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, will you join us um, 160 albums down the road when we do another Fleetwood Mac album? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> If there's something in the meantime, let us know. We'd love to have you back. For sure. Thank you. Uh, Well, should we do it, all three of us? This would be fun. I think that's been another theme of this episode. We're having a lot of fun. Try something new. (laughs) Okay. After three. One, two, three. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 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 Why did it fall apart? Join us next time. The Sound Logic. Album number 27, 27 on Rolling, Rolling Stones. Stones top 500, top 500 album list. The Joshua, Joshua Tree, tree by, by you two. Okay, and so you as well. There's a little bit of a delay. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Uh, <laughs> Some experiments work. Some don't. <laughs> well, and we want to thank you, the listener, for joining us. And we hope you've had 
as much fun as we have had making this episode and we hope you'll join us next time thanks everyone bye bye for now if you like what you hear subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review send us a message at our facebook page on instagram or through our SoundLogic podcast twitter feed thanks for listening We hope you enjoyed that classic episode of ours. Tune in next time for the next album on the new 2020 Rolling Stone list.